All right, well, today we're bringing a word, uh, we are, as in you and me are interacting with the Holy Spirit, amen, to uh, get some revelation called Shifting Gears. And um, so I'm excited to bring this word to you. And uh, before we dive into it, though, it's actually, in a minute, you're going to see how relevant it is. There is one other announcement that I wanted to make, um, and that's we've got our Pulse Prayer Course Level 3 coming up with Barbara Edwards one of our champions of the faith, amazing woman that she is. So this is open to, um, uh, this is really the teaching that's activating the next level if you've done the prayer course called Pulse 1 or Pulse 2. Um, So it's coming up from the 18th to the 20th of May, which is a Thursday um, and a Friday um, and a Saturday. So one thing that we wanted to let people know is that this particular level 3 um, the Thursday uh, night and the Friday night is specifically focusing on the prayer um, activation uh, areas that Barb's going to be teaching. But on the Saturday, we're actually uh, combining the Free at Last, which is another uh, program that Barb has written and runs about helping people to set them free from certain hindrances spiritually that have been holding them back. So this Level 3 course is going to include the Free at Last seminar on the Saturday. So we wanted everyone to be very clear about that because it's kind of like a a two-in-one program, which is a great way to to get that teaching. Uh, The Free at Last, for those of you who haven't done, but can you just confirm to do this course, you have to have done Pulse Prayer 1 and 2 or just 1? Okay, to make that clear... Um, even though it's called number three, to be eligible to enroll into this program, you only have to have completed Pulse Prayer Course number one. Um, the Free at Last program will potentially be offered sometimes later in the year as a one-off by itself, but we just wanted everyone to know um, that uh, if you're keen to, to go to a new level in prayer and also do the Free at Last seminar that you may have heard about, then it's a great opportunity to kind of get all that teaching in one go. Amen. Awesome. So that's coming up. So if you want more information on that, if you can see our CI our Christian international team members, Barb or Cassie, they can give you more information to help you to register. And that's going to be held right here at Forever House, which is convenient for everyone. All right. Who's ready for some teaching today? Good on you. Well, let's just, let's just come into a time of prayer and let's focus. Lord, we thank you that you're here with us. We thank you, Lord, for this community in this house. We thank you, Lord, that you're the center, you're the anchor, Jesus, of this church and of this community, Lord. And we thank you, Father, that the word of God is important to us, Lord. And we want to uh, get uh, understanding and revelation today that will help us to be more like you, Jesus. Lord, help us to shift to a new gear. Lord, help us to shift gears in our life. Lord, help us to be positioned and be prepared and ready to receive all that you have for us in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Well, uh, today, this whole theme of shifting gears is really about uh, making some changes. Uh, but the good news is, is the theme today around making some changes is more about relying on God to make those changes rather than trying to do it yourself. Who likes the idea of that? Uh, sometimes we do have to make changes, and it is about our input and our mindset and our heartbeat and our choices. But also it has to be balanced with knowing that sometimes God actually says you've got to give him the heavy lifting in your life. And at times we can be tempted to think that we have to do all the heavy lifting ourselves. And when you look at and you study the scriptures, we learn that often God is asking us to step into that place 
where we're shifting gears and we're praying and we're interceding and we're stepping into relating to him so he can take the burdens, he can take the heavy lifting and allowing God to do what only he can do. And ultimately, sometimes we have to get out of the way. Who's ever learned that before? We have to get out of the way so God can actually do the work. And so I want to talk about this today because I think a lot of times when I'm asking God to uh, help me to bring a word, I want the word to be in season. And obviously, we've just started the second quarter of the year. Easter's now finished. We're in the first month of April, uh, which is the first month of quarter two for the year. And I love how God moves with us in seasons, and He's the master shepherd. So He's always wanting to bring spiritual food to us that's to prepare and nourish us for the season that we're either in or the season that's to come. And I believe that this word is a strategic word around helping us to understand the time and season that we're in. And I feel God is calling us to shift gears in our personal life and spiritually. And so I want to talk about those principles and what this is all about. So the first uh, kind of point I wanted to start with uh, in terms of shifting gears is that when you think about a car in itself, you know, uh, a, uh, a manual car, there are some gears that we're shifting up. We're shifting up to a, a different speed or a different capacity for the engine to run. And there's also gears that we can shift down to. So ultimately, this word today is not just about encouraging us to think about the, ship, the gears that we have to ship, shift up, but also the gears that we might have to shift down where we might need to step back a little bit, slow down a little bit, and let God take over so that we don't get in the way. But there are other times when we have to kind of shift to a new level and activate things. And so uh, the first point here is that gearing down, if we talk about you know shifting the gear down, is about getting out of the way. That's one of the themes I want to cover today. Um, But also gearing up, shifting the gears up spiritually, is about that we have to activate at times our prayer life so that God can do what only God can do. And sometimes the way for us to get God to do what only God can do is we've got to shift the, the, the level of intensity up in our prayer life. Uh, but at the same time, that also means that we're shifting our gears down and that we're actually getting out of the way. And we're starting to focus on that God ultimately is the only person that can, can bring some answers in our life. So I want to talk about, uh, first of all, gearing down. I wanted to start about talking about shifting out of striving to change things in our own strength and shifting into allowing God to do the heavy lifting. That's what I talk about, shifting the gears down. Actually, uh, first of all, we've got to realize we've got to get out of the way uh, in order for us to put the gears up and start to pray and allow God to start to move. And I wanted to look at this scripture, Philippians. If we can throw this scripture up first, AV team, thank you. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. It says, for it is not your strength But it is, this is actually, um, the version that I'm reading here is from the Amplified, so it's going to be slightly longer than one up here. For it is is not your strength, but it is God who is effectively at work in you, both to will and to work, that is strengthening, energizing, and creating in you the longing and the ability to fulfill your purpose for his good pleasure. I want to read that one more time. For it is not your strength, but it is God who is effectively at work in you, both to will and to work that is strengthening, energizing, and creating in you the longing and the ability to fulfill your purpose for, who, for his good pleasure. And so how does this come about? How, do we can, how can we actually see this scripture 
that Philippians is talking about. How can we start to see that really outwork in our life? Let me over, go over here and look at the, the shorter version. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. How do we allow God to take over? How do we activate and allow and position God in our life for him to do the work, some of the work that we really can't do in our own strength? How do we make that change? Well, it comes down to what I call a prayer strategy. Everyone say a prayer strategy. And I want to simplify this because it doesn't have to be complicated. So I want you to write this down if you're taking notes because I believe God is going to ask all of us to do some homework after today and that is to actually start stepping into a prayer strategy for this season right now. And the prayer strategy is this. You study what the scripture says about whatever the situation, the circumstance, the scenario that's going on that you're wanting to see God shift, the, shift some things. You study what the scripture says and then God shows you that it isn't your job to do the heavy lifting. What's interesting is when you study the scriptures about anything, most of the time God will highlight that you have to invite him into the situation. You have to actually call on his name or you have to do something from a prayer point of view to use scripture to invite him in to activate your faith so he can start to move. So we want to study what the scripture says and then God will show you that it isn't your job to do the heavy lifting. No, that is something that only he could do and it's your job to seek him, to trust him and to stand on his word. Now, I've, I've had to learn this just recently. I'm actually preaching out of a, a thing that's recently kind of transformed my world uh, this year, the beginning of this year. And that is, um, uh, the end of last year, I realized there were some things in my life where I was trying to bring change, but I was trying to do it in my own strength. And I realized that there are some things that, you know, we do need to kind of meet God halfway. We need to, you know, have a strategy and put things in place and use our giftings and our callings and our anointings and all that type of thing. But ultimately, if we're not partnering with God, we're going to burn out and it's just going to get too hard. And so we have to have an understanding that we've got to activate our prayer life because our prayer life is actually what teaches us that if I'm praying to God, if I'm connecting with God, if I'm communicating to God, I'm actually in that moment admitting that I can't do it all on my own. By communicating to God, by praying, by connecting with God, I'm actually intentionally and deliberately saying to myself, God, I need you to step in to this situation. I need you to bring the change. I need to uh, have your supernatural power to make change happen. You know, I've had to, uh, you know, when I had this season that just happened, I had to look at my prayer life. And I felt like my prayer life had kind of gotten in a little bit of a same old, same old. And I needed it to be fresh. I needed a fresh reason why I needed it to be uh, something that was a bit more spontaneous. And so God's recently challenged me that I need to step it up. I need to shift gears in terms of my prayer life because that way I'm communicating to him and to myself, God, I can't do this by myself. I can't keep trying to strive to make change. I need you to step in. And so it's got to be a strategy. But notice when we say the word strategy, sometimes people think that's a complicated thing and it's you know, only someone who's really super sophisticated or intelligent can come up with a strategy. Do you know that God's into simple strategy? Do you know that? You know, God's into simplifying things for you and I, making it actually simple. And so when we say strategy, we just mean a step-by-step plan that's easy to follow, okay? So study, the, study what the scripture says about your situation 
and get the revelation that in that scripture, what part of that scripture or portion of that scripture is the scripture saying that you need to press into God or rely to God? What is it that you need to cry out to God and stand on God's word for that change? Now, sometimes when uh, I know when I do one-on-one mentoring or coaching with people in regards to prayer life or believing God and standing on God's word, sometimes I, I, I can hear excuses that come back at me. So I want to share that excuse openly today so that we don't kind of step into the trap of, you know, coming up with that excuse. And sometimes the excuse is this, you know, it's just Pastor Brad that I just don't have time to pray that much every day. Has anyone heard that before? I just don't have time, right, to pray every day. But you know what? I think God's response to that is this. Okay, but you apparently have time to fight losing battles that are getting you nowhere. Right? So we're busy and we're tired and we're weary and we're not seeing necessarily the shift that we want to shift, see or the change that we want to change. But we kind of use all this as an excuse when we hear kind of some encouragement to have a, a new, a fresh prayer strategy. I just don't have time to pray. But we have a lot of time that we're wasting fighting battles that we're not winning. Whether that's mentally, physically, spiritually, in our heart, relationally, financially, whatever it is. And so my fresh encouragement to you is God, through this word today, is encouraging you and I. We need to simplify things, and we need to realize that we can't do this in our own strength, and we need to invite the Almighty God into these situations, because He ultimately can bring the change that we can't do in our own strength. Who believes that today? Who's encouraged this morning? Let's just simplify it and actually press into God and say, God, please come in to the middle of this situation. Uh, I need to partner with you because I need you to show up. You know, I want to talk about one time, Sarah and I, we, uh, you know, one day, how many years ago, we bought a Jeep, you know, the ad, bought a Jeep. You know, it's funny, when I bought, when we bought our our Jeep, I'd never seen the ad, you know, the ad that's really well known, you know, and someone in the marketplace heard that I'd got this new Jeep and they said, so, oh, you bought a Jeep and I hadn't seen the ad. And I didn't respond, like, ha yeah, I said, yeah, yeah, I bought a Jeep. He's like, no, you bought a Jeep, so you bought a Jeep. I'm like, yeah. I just said that. I bought a Jeep. And he's like, haven't you seen the ad? I said, what ad? And uh, anyway, so uh, I think a year and a half into having this Jeep, we were going up uh, the hill near our house. Remember the gears? And I was like, chugga, chugga. And then we we parked it, and then we started to reverse it the next day. And the gearbox uh, was just out of whack. Um, and the gears weren't uh, even uh, changing and shifting. And we, when, we, when we needed to actually put it in reverse, it wouldn't go in reverse. When we needed to park it, it wouldn't park. And it was just, it was just dangerous. And so, oh man, it took ages to get that, that, that dealt with, didn't it? We, we put it in, I mean, how many? Like eight weeks, nine weeks or something? Yeah. Uh, it was supposed to take three weeks. And then they had to get parts from the U.S. And, and just the, the frustration of not having a vehicle and... And, uh, but can I tell you that, that being in the car when the gearbox wasn't working and trying to shift things up or shift things down just to have it in the right position so it could go in the right direction that I wanted to go and not being able to just have things uh, you know, shift in the right place so I can get the vehicle to go was really frustrating. And it was tiring and it was just like uh, exhausting. And I think spiritually sometimes this is what happens is that uh, we... We have our spiritual gear stick in a position locked in to focusing on trying to do things 
in our own strength and relying on ourselves. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today. And, and, and we can't go in the right direction or we can't seem to, to shift in the right direction that we want to because we're not spiritually positioned and we haven't invited God in the right place. I think sometimes we shift the gear up, but the shifting of the gear up is about us trying to try harder or strive harder or do more, where actually we should be shifting that gear of ourself down and actually then shifting the gearbox up in terms of our prayer life to invite God in so he can do what we can't do and we need to sometimes get out of the way. Whereas I think the temptation is, is when we see change in our, you know, before us, we want something to change. We want something to break through. We want something different to happen. We, we're looking for a change in our marriage or a change in a relationship or a change in, in whatever it is in life. Uh, the temptation is to, 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 yes, step up the gears, but in the self-reliant track. And we're like, we're trying harder. We're coming up with our goals. We're doing all these things. And we'll do that for a season and then it gets tiring. We forget to invite God into the situation. And so ultimately, before we can actually step up our prayer life, we have to get the revelation of shifting the gears of self-reliance down, getting out of the way, so then we can shift the gears in our prayer life up to actually declare that we're inviting God in the situation we can't do it ourselves. That ultimately is what God is saying to us today as a church. We're in a season where we need to shift gears. Personally, we need to shift gears. Let me say this to you. We can pray all we want for revival, but if revival isn't happening on the inside of you, revival's not going to happen outside of you. See, revival starts in your life. Revival starts with your own prayer life. Revival starts when you start realizing you can't keep being so self-reliant and you've got to invite God into your life and your situation. So sometimes we, we have to understand that when we don't shift our doing it in our own strength gear down in order to shift our prayer life up, our refusal to shift gears in the right direction that can lead to God bringing people to the end of themselves and to show them how powerless they are in order to show them how powerful he is doesn't happen. And this is why we have to shift gears the right way because ultimately it's about having things in the right place so that we're putting God in that position where we're saying, God, we need your power. We need you to show up. You know, this happened lots of times in the Bible. There's so many examples where this was the case. The children of Israel, let's think about this. They didn't push back the Red Sea themselves. Right? They didn't knock down the walls of Jericho themselves, church. It was only when they were at the end of their rope and they had to depend on someone bigger that they saw God work mightily. It was only when they came to the end of their absolute self-reliance that then they invited God in to do a miracle and he was able to move. And it was the same with the followers of Jesus as well. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, it encourages us to get this revelation. It says, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. It's a pretty strong, heavy scripture. It's talking about spiritual warfare. But a lot of the times, I think, when we think about the enemy, oh, the enemy's attacking me. Oh, we need to pray. We need to come against the principalities. I think some of the most dominant examples of the enemy at work in our life is our own self-reliance. 
because we can we can try and talk about this demon and that demon. And look, I believe in that. Sometimes there are very specific spiritual forces at work. But I think a spiritual, a dark spiritual force at work that we have to be discerning about is when the enemy tries to convince us that actually we can do it in our own strength. We don't really need God. We're just going to go off and do it. We're going to get it done. We're going to get it done quickly. Self-reliance can be one of the biggest hindrances to God moving powerfully in your life. Who believes that? And so you need to do your fighting in prayer. You need to kick the real enemy out of the situation with the word of God. And sometimes just by praying more and shifting gears in your prayer life, it actually deteriorates your self-reliance, which enables change to happen in you. And then God can start to move. Interesting. Who here has ever seen the movie The War Room? Okay, now, I'm going to be upfront and honest with you. Sarah and I watched that for the first time just, what, three days ago or something? Now, I've done an acting degree, okay? So I have a little bit of an issue with movies. If they're somewhat bordering on cheesy, it leaves me with a cringe factor, and it's just something I have to take to prayer with God, all right? Now, I think we played it here once, and uh, I hadn't seen it before. You know, it's got some great messages. There are some scenes that I find are a bit flowing with mozzarella, I'll be honest with you. So I'm not necessarily saying I'm giving it five stars. But let's just park that. And for the benefit of this message, it's got some really good themes in it, okay? There are some moments where I had a cringe factor. I'm like, oh, cheesy C-grade movie, Hollywood, oh... Christian movies, what are you doing to me? And then there were other times I'm like, oh, and I kind of had it shed a tear, and I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, I need to take this on board, right? So we'll park all the cheesiness aside, and it's got some really good messages. And I wanted to share this quote out of the War Room movie. And uh, this is actually the older lady. Her name is Clara in the movie, and she's mentoring a younger uh, woman who she can see is having some real frustrations in her marriage and in her private life. And uh, she's encouraging her to uh, step up her prayer life and to create like a war room in a, in a closet and really kind of, you know, invite God into the situation. And this, this is what Clara was sharing with this younger woman in the movie that she's mentoring. The older lady said, when I fought against my husband, so she was saying she used to have marriage difficulties. When I fought against my husband, I was fighting against my own marriage and my family. I tried for years to fix Leo, but I couldn't do it. And then the younger woman responds, well, I've gotten nowhere with my husband, Tony, as well. And then Clara responds. She says, well, that's because it's not your job. Who said it was your responsibility to fix Tony? It's your job to love him, respect him, and to pray for the man. God knows he needs it. And so it's an interesting thing is that this woman is desperate for change in her marriage. But she's been relying on herself to fix her husband or fix the situation in her own strength. She's completely forgotten to invite God into the situation. And so this older woman who's made that mistake historically in her life starts to mentor this woman and say, don't do what I did. Don't try and fix your husband. Don't try and focus on changing your world through your own self-reliance, through your own strength, through your own flesh. You need to come up with a prayer strategy and actually invite God, stand on his word, step back and let God do what only he can do. So that was one of the scenes I really loved. Can you tell? <laughs> I liked it. It was good. See, church, you sometimes have to plead with God so that he can do what only he can do. And then you've got to get out of the way and let him do it. Everyone say balance. My favorite word. Here it comes. But there's always a balance to this principle. 
and that is this. The balance is, sometimes though, when we look at this principle of relying on God and inviting God in, sometimes in shifting gears, it's important to know that sometimes there are people who need to shift their actual work and what they're doing in their life up rather than down. So there may be some people here and you're really getting something out of this message where you're, you tend to be a real kind of go, go, go and you're going to make it happen and you, 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 you naturally have the temptation, the inkling just to kind of step into things and, and you forget to, to kind of activate your prayer life or get a prayer strategy, invite God in to do what only he can do. Right? I'm putting my hand up and saying sometimes I fall into that trap and this message is definitely being preached to me right now. But on the other hand, we can sometimes have people who can get into a little bit of a, a religious style of thing. And it's like, well, you know what? I'm just, I'm just believing God right now. I'm just believing God. I'm just believing God. Praise God. Praise God. I'm just believing God. I'm just believing God. We'll see what, God, what God's going to do. And they actually don't do anything in terms of activating their giftings or, the, or, or doing anything practically uh, that God would maybe prompt them to do in order for God to do what he can only do, but he puts his supernatural on your natural and you work together as a partnership to get things done, right? So sometimes uh, we've got to be mindful of that. We've got to be mindful that uh, people can pray all day long and say, oh, God will work it out. <clears throat> but sometimes then that can become a, an excuse for them not to have to work at all or do anything. Or change anything. And that is an example of fruitless religious fake faith. So we want to rip that off and expose it today through the Word of God. Because that, that's not going to do any, anyone any good. It's easy because it's, just, it's false and it's fake and it's superficial, surface-level faith, right? And the, the way to, to balance this in Scripture, Scripture in James, the book of James, strongly encourages us to have this balance. So most of my message is about we need to shift our focus more on God and get our prayer life going and step back. Having said that, I just want to bring a little bit of balance. So anyone here who more can kind of be tempted to just go, oh, I'm just believing God, 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 and you're not doing anything that God would ask of you, be careful that you don't fall into that trap as well. Because in James, in chapter 2, it says, faith without works is dead. And specifically in chapter 2, verse 18, James warns us. He says, but someone will say, well, you have faith and I have works. As in someone will say to James, because James was a person of faith combined with works, faith with action. And his point is here, real faith, true faith, is faith in God, yes, but you also doing what God's asking you to do in your strength where it's required, but still relying on God so that there's a partnership. It's true faith. And he was saying that sometimes these kind of religious Christians or religious people can look at someone who's believing God and actually putting works into place with their false religion. They could say, well, well you, you, know, you have faith and I have works. Or James could say, you have faith and I have works. But James says, show me your faith without your works. He's basically saying, let's compare. Let's compare someone who has faith without works and I will show you my faith with works. So he's basically setting a challenge there that faith without works is dead. Let me see your faith that's surface level, but you're not doing anything at all. And it will be fruitless. And let's compare it to my faith with works. Because faith with works, partnership with God, is where real change happens. So everyone again say balance. 
Because the last thing I want when I'm bringing a word to encourage us to step back where we've been doing things in our own strength and shift the gear up in our prayer life to invite God in because to let him do only what he can do. I don't want us to take that revelation as an excuse to step back and absolutely do nothing at all and go, well, God, will just handle it. I'll just sit here and not take any responsibility. Because that's faith without works and that's called, it's going to be dead. Make sense? Everyone say balance again. My favorite word. So my question to you is how do you need to shift your gears? I want you to just think. How do you need to shift your gears? What changes do you need to make? Simple changes in your focus in this season. Now I want to talk about another point, and that is, I want to say this to you. It's time to be strategic and intentional and deliberate and focused with your prayer. Because God's asking you and I to shift to a new level of prayer because God is wanting not just to change your situation. Catch this now. He's not just wanting to change your circumstance, but he actually wants to change you. See, this is the key. A lot of times we miss it, that God's calling us to prayer not just because he wants to change our situation or our circumstance, but through us actually praying, it changes you. And I, ideally and ironically, it's the change in you that usually is required to change the circumstance. Everyone say, ooh. Everyone say, ah. Turn to the person next to you and say, hmm, I think I might be getting something. <laughs> so sometimes we shift gears superficially. We pray that God would restore and turn things around and that everything would be fixed overnight. Immediate healing is easy to pray for than a transplant. Because a transplant takes time and someone else has to die. What am I talking about here? See, sometimes it's easy for our prayer life to be about, I just want a quick fix, God. God, I'm going to pray right now because I'm motivated for you to bring a quick fix. But ironically, sometimes God is causing us and calling us to shift to a greater prayer life because it's actually the persistency and the persistency, the persistence, the perseverance and the consistency are stepping into prayer that actually will bring a transplant in, in our life rather than just a quick fix outside of our life in a circumstance. So let me read this again. Sometimes we pray for a quick healing or for a quick turnaround or for, and God can do suddenlies. But a lot of times maturity in praying, we know that it's about God wants to do a transplant. God does hear what we pray. But who knows, you don't need a megaphone or a million people to get his attention. But the point of prayer is not to get what we want. Prayer changes the person who prays. Let me say that again. God does hear what we pray. But you don't need a megaphone or a million people to get his attention, church. The point of prayer is not to get what we want. Prayer changes the person who prays. Now, the benefit of prayer is you can get what you're asking for as long as it's aligned to the will of God. But one of the key reasons why God is asking us to shift gears is because the very thing that's required 
to bring the change in your circumstance or your situation or your marriage or your relationship or your finances. The very thing that will probably be the catalyst to bring that change long term will be the change that God has to do in you. So even though sometimes we might be motivated to step into prayer because we want a quick change of our circumstance or a quick shift in something, God's actually going to cause us to shift gears in our prayer life and to sustain that for a season because the change required to shift the circumstances actually is the change that he has to make in us and that will come from us lifting or shifting gears in our prayer life. Is anyone getting this? You know, for me... I've just had a release of new motivation and energy to step up my prayer life because I finally realized my prayer life, it's not all about shifting something outside of myself. It's actually the biggest benefit I'm going to get is it's going to change me. And that's ultimately what God has to do to change my life and to change the things around me. It's funny because in the marketplace when I do leadership training and I'm training leaders on how to coach people, I teach them this model called the inside-out model. See, a lot of times we think personal change or trying to change someone else is about trying to change the outside of them or trying to change the outside of our life. And I've actually taught this model with some of our leaders in that the outside of this model is our environment, which is our circumstances, and then our habits, which is our choices daily, weekly, and then our capability, our skills. And a lot of times we're tempted to think, and this is where self-reliance comes in, church, we think we have to change all these things. We have to just do better, do more, try and break the habit, change the habit, so it'll change the circumstance, it'll bring the goal to pass, and we're trying to change all of this outside stuff of our life. And sometimes when we're trying to change other people, we're trying to you know, highlight circumstances and their environment and, and what they're not doing right or what they need to be doing more and they need to change this habit. We're trying to do what we call an outside-inside strategy. We're trying to change the outside to change them, to change the inside. Or we're trying to change our outside life so it'll make me feel better about my life. Outside-in. But yet we teach that real change comes from inside-out. And Jesus talked about this, the kingdom of God is within. And so what's interesting about prayer is that when you activate your prayer life, it first works on your inside. It works on your identity, church. It works on your values and priorities, church. It works on your beliefs, church. It works on the perception of how you see the situation and how you're seeing it in your own human mind changes to how God sees it. And you start to shift on the inside. And because you start to have inside change through your prayer life being activated, that then helps you and equips you to then start to partner with God to see the changes on the outside happen, whether it be the circumstances or your abilities or your habits or other people around you. Who's getting something from this? So when a person is at their wit's end, it's, it no longer seems to be a cowardly thing to pray. In fact, it is the only way they can get in touch with the truth and the reality of God themselves sometimes because they're just at that place where they realize they can no longer rely on self alone. So my encouragement to you in this season is be yourself before God, hang out with Him, and start to talk to Him because it's the key to change. It's the key of shifting gears. But as long as you think you're self-sufficient, think about this. As long as you think you're self-sufficient, you don't need to ask God for anything. See, religiously, you might know, well, I'm a Christian, so I need to pray. But if you're not praying, it's because you're actually self-reliant. Come on now. See, if you're not praying, if your prayer life is a bit, eh, 
don't feel all guilt or shame about it. Let's just call it as it is. It just means you, you're feeling like you can just do it yourself. And sometimes, unfortunately, God has to actually make life a little bit frustrating for us to realize, realize I need to stop relying on myself. I'm going to invite God back in again. So the mature Christian doesn't wait until life gets miserable or hard or difficult to reactivate their prayer life. They proactively have the revelation that, hey, you know what? If I keep my prayer life at a certain place, it's going to keep the flow of personal change in me, and I'm going to build momentum and see things change outside of my inside. God has established things so that prayer, on the basis of redemption, changes the way a person looks at things. Prayer is always a matter of changing things externally sometimes. Sorry, prayer is not always a matter of changing things externally, but one of working miracles in a person's inner nature is that locking in that key point there. just want to activate that before I finish this last point. Father, I thank you, Father, right now. Heavenly Father, beautiful God. Lord, help us just to focus on you and the inside of our private world. Lord, pour in that revelation that our prayer life, it doesn't have to be sophisticated. It doesn't have to be the world's best strategic praying. But Lord, we just have to start being honest with you and communicate with you regularly because then, God, we're admitting we, we need you. We can't keep relying on ourselves. And Father, that, if we can do that, start relying on you more by talking with you and inviting you into our heart and laying things down saying, God, please, I need your help in this. I need you to bring change. Praying for our husbands, praying for our wives, praying for our children, praying for our workplace, praying for our church, praying for our finances, praying for healing, praying for our physical body, praying for people to be saved, praying for situations. God, we've got to invite you in. Lord, we're admitting we, we can't do this in our own strength. And Lord, it starts to, to mold us and change us on the inside. God, strengthen this revelation this morning in people. Encourage them, God, that, Lord, with you, nothing is impossible. Amen. The last point here this morning I want to hammer in is I want to look at the example of Jesus. Is that okay? The perfect example that the Bible gives us to model ourselves off. Who likes the idea of modeling yourself off Jesus? Right? To looking at him as a great model or as an example. And I want to talk about the why. Why am I bringing this message? Why am I talking about shifting gears? Why am I talking about that sometimes it's about shifting our self-reliance down so we can shift our prayer life up to invite God in to do only what he can do? Why is it about understanding that when it comes to prayer, it's not just about praying because we want something to change outside of our private world, but it, it literally is the callous that God uses to change us, which then actually leads to things changing around us. But why? Why are we talking about this? Because God wants us to take territory. Who knows that taking territory or going to a new level in your life is not, it's not easy. Who knows that it's hard? It is. Anything about bringing change in your life or what we call taking ground is hard. If you've ever wondered why it's so hard, I, I say this to you. Stop wondering why it's so hard and just focus on God. <laughs> 
<laughs> it helps. But the key to taking ground, which is hard, anything you want to do that's new, anything that you want to do that's different, any type of breakthrough that you want. I was reading uh, an article by Lisa Bevere, who her and her husband, John, have a great international itinerant ministry. They do a lot of preaching and teaching in different churches. And she had an article where she talked about that, you know, recently she had a lot of female ministers just emailing her and feeling discouraged because they'd, you know, either preached or teached or done some form of ministry and just, you know, they thought that it wasn't effective or whatever. And so Lisa wanted to encourage them by saying that, hey, you know what? Uh, sometimes you can hit the ball out of the park. Sometimes you can preach like you've never preached before. But often you're always going to feel disappointed in what you're doing because at the end of the day, it's not about you. It's about what God's doing through you. And her encouragement to these ministers was this. Sometimes, most of the time, it's going to feel hard. Because what you're doing is you're called to take ground for God's kingdom. And whether you're a minister here or not, it doesn't matter. Because you all here today are called to take ground for God's kingdom. So we're called to pray for our marriage. Because our marriage and the fruitfulness of our marriage is about taking ground for God's kingdom. See, if we can have love thriving in our household, then that sends a message to the world that God really is real. Come on now. If it, we can raise our children in godly ways, that sends a message that's expanding the territory of the kingdom of God. If we can you know, do what we're called to do through the giftings or callings in our marketplace calling or at school or university or in business, whatever it is, that's about taking ground. Anything that we're trying to bring to a new level is taking ground. But it's hard. More so, it's impossible when you try to do it by yourself. And so the key to taking ground... Everyone lean your ear in like this. The key to taking ground that I want to bring this morning is to refresh your submission to God. And we're going to look at how Jesus used this key to start to take ground for the kingdom. And how do you refresh your submission to God? Activate your prayer life. The quickest way you can submit to God is start praying. Because you're actually confessing by starting to pray, I need you, God. I can't rely on myself. Start praying. Taking ground is hard. Being disciplined is hard. Changing is hard. There's a some of the, couple of the young adults right now that I'm mentoring about this. You know who I'm, if I'm, you know who you are. <laughs> Discipline's hard. Coming home from work and not watching YouTube, but actually, you know, doing some study or doing something that you don't feel like doing is hard. It's called discipline. But you need discipline and focus to take ground. Otherwise, you'll keep going round and round the mountain. You keep hearing the preaching of the promises of God, but you'll have deferred hope and your heart will grow sick because nothing will change in your world. But you can't do these things in your own strength. You've got to submit to God and we're going to look at how Jesus used this strategy to bring this shift. So I want to read um, from the book of Matthew here. And this is the classic story where uh, the devil, Jesus had just fasted and prayed for 40 days. And then the devil goes through three temptations. And so Jesus has tested the wilderness. Verse 1, then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. 
After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Who here would, do you think would be hungry as well after 40 days of not eating? Right? Remember, Jesus was God, but he was also man. So he actually was starving. Right? He was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stories, tell these stories, tell these stones to become bread. Watch this. The devil right there was trying to persuade Jesus that he could rely on his own strength to provide for himself. Come on now. The devil right there was trying to convince Jesus that he could rely on his own strength to provide for himself. Have you ever been convinced that you can rely on yourself to provide for you? Have you ever been disappointed and think, oh, I'm sick of trying to believe God, I'm just going to do it myself? Ever been tempted to think that? Go there? The shortcut? The enemy, right here in the story, is trying to persuade Jesus there's a shortcut. And so Jesus has to counter that and say, no, I'm submitting to God. I'm not going to rely on my own strength. I'm not going to turn these things into bread through my own strength. I'm going to rely on God. And so he counters. He counters the enemy trying to say, you know what? You can rely on yourself. Shortcut. He counters that by saying, no, I'm going to submit to God. I've got to rely on God. By saying, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Right there, he cemented and refreshed his submission under God. Then the next one. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. Took him to the holy city and had him standing on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said... Throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command His angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. What was the devil trying to do? He was trying to persuade Jesus there was a shortcut here, and that Jesus could just be protected because he kind of, kind of just tests God. Meaning, rather than actually relying on God and waiting for the direction of God, he could just run ahead of God, and just know through a lack of wisdom that God would protect him. Again, a shortcut. Who here has ever thought, you know what? Rather than praying about this idea, rather than praying about this concept, rather than praying about this goal, rather than praying about this thing, I'm just going to go and do it and God will bless me anyway. God will protect me. Even if it goes slightly pear-shaped, it's all right. God will help me to pick up the pieces because he loves me. Who knows it sounds nice, but it's actually not true submission to God. Now, look, don't get me wrong. I don't say you need to pray for everything. So you don't have to always pray for a car park and crazy things like that when we can get super spiritual. <laughs> Unless it's Christmas or Easter. <laughs> then it's like we're like, Sharam Mama, Sharam. <laughs> car park, right? But who here has ever being tempted to think that your life is protected because of your own strength. You can run ahead of God. Jesus responded, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. So, self-reliance is when We've got something that's a significant idea or choice 
but we don't really invest in any prayer about it. We don't invite God into the situation. We just run ahead and do it anyway and hope that God will bless it, or if it goes pear-shaped, he'll save us. You know what? The enemy wants to convince you to do and make those choices because he knows it will create setbacks for you. It'll stop you from taking ground. Third one, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. What a lot of people don't realize is that it was the devil's to give. It was the devil's dominion, his domain. That's why we have this great cause where we're taking territory back from the devil. But it was his to give. And notice that it was a temptation because it was a shortcut. It was Jesus' promise from the Father that he would inherit all this, but it was a shortcut, self-reliance. Don't rely on God. Don't do it God's way. Let's do a shortcut because you'll get there quicker. Have you ever sometimes been tempted or followed through with that, that you don't necessarily really submit to God and you you think, you know, I'm going to do it my way? Because God's way is going to take too long. Jesus said to him, away from me. He refreshed his submission to God. Away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then, everyone say then. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended to him. Notice that they attended to him. Why? Because he was tired. He just went through three waves of intense spiritual warfare, church. And what was his key? Watch this. His key was submitting to God. But then the Bible teaches that from that place of being tempted by the devil... He submitted to God, and then he actually went and took territory. His whole ministry then got activated. He then instantly, everyone say instantly, he then instantly went and preached the gospel and started to see people repent. Immediately after this, after he hit the refresh button on submitting to God, he was empowered to change circumstances and to bring a shift and increase his own authority and his territory. When you submit to God, the enemy will try and convince you you're going to lose out. You're going to lose out. It's going to take longer. It's going to be harder. It's going to be more frustrating. But will, will he really come through for you? But when you submit to God, actually the benefit is you will start to see a shift that you've been believing for. Your territory will start to expand. Right now, the Lord's talking to me personally about what I'm believing for this church. So he said, a key to me is I've got to, in a fresh way, submit to God and pray like I've never prayed before. There are some things I'm believing for for our business that I, I want to take new ground, ground that we've never gone before. The key is I've got to submit to God and I've got to pray. 
Because both of those two things, seeing some really amazing new levels in our house here in church, actually is going to require first some shift in me and some of our leaders. How do we do that? We're going to submit to God and pray. One of the keys to seeing a shift in our business is it's going to be some things that change in me, in my mindset, in my heart, in my faith, in my ability to see it the way God wants to see it. So I've got to activate my prayer life to see that. Hey, I want to ask you, what's an area or areas in your world where God's saying to you through this word today, hey, you know what? The first key is hit the refresh button on your submission to God. The way to do that is activate your prayer life. Invite God in. No longer be tempted to try to shortcut things or rely on yourself because that's the enemy's way of convincing you or telling you that's how you're going to get the breakthrough, but it actually becomes a blockage. It stops you from expanding territory. I want you just to take a moment. I'm going to invite Jason up just to take a moment now. Come on, this is an opportunity for you. to appropriate this word for you right now. What is it or where is it in your life that God says, submit to God? Because submitting to God is the first key for God to help you and to shape you to becoming capable to take ground. And it starts first with your ability to submit to Him. The scripture says, submit to God which then helps you to resist the persuasion of the enemy to rely on self. And then he will flee. You're sensing that it's all about you and what you can do will shift away. And then God has you in the right place to change your inner world to then bring the change that you're believing for. When I think of most of the personal, intimate messages I've heard from any Christian leader, pastor, minister. And they talk about change. In some way, they always refer to that it it took God to kind of get their attention. Get them to drop to their knees. Hit the refresh button on submit to God. Let go of trying to do it all by yourself. Let go of the temptation to do it your way. Then it brings significant change on the inside of that person that's submitted to God. And then when they stand up from the floor, that place of prayer, that place of spiritual warfare, they have greater authority They have a new anointing to take territory. I want everyone just to close your eyes in this place. Beautiful God, we invite you to move freely this morning.
Lord, we lay down the things in our heart we need to lay down. Lord, we let go of any self-reliance. Lord, we position ourselves afresh underneath you. Underneath your hand of grace and mercy. Underneath your love and direction. Lord, we submit ourselves afresh to you. Father, we thank you, Lord, that your word says that when we submit ourselves to you, then the enemy flees. That restrictive atmosphere, that confusion, that second guessing, that striving, that doubt, that fear, that strife, that anger, that annoyance, that frustration. Lord, whatever that restriction is or was, it flees in Jesus' name. Father, I declare freedom in people's hearts and minds today. Lord, I declare a new focus, a new lease of life in prayer. Lord, we're going to call on your name. Jesus, we're going to cry out to you. We're going to ask you to enter our situations and to enter our life, God. So that you can do the things that only you can do. Lord, change us today. God, make us, mold us, shape us. Help us. Thank you, Lord. Just go ahead and just thank the Lord for what he's doing. Just make it a moment between you and God. Don't have to look around. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to ask the rest of the music team to come and ask the stewards if they can remove this. We're going to finish with a song this morning. And uh, who sensed there was something new during our time of worship this morning? You can take the whole thing, mate. That's fine.
You can take the whole thing. That's fine. Who sensed there was something new? You know what I sensed this morning? Before even this word came, there was something about a focus on God that was fresh. It was like a, let's not try to worship God in our own strength. Let's not try and just tick the box. Let's be free to have fun with God. Who sensed that? Cool. This is what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask everyone to stand. I'm going to ask everyone to come out the front. We'll fill this altar. I'm going to finish with a time. Worship God. And as you're worshiping God, this is what I want you to do. I want you, as you worship God, I want you to see yourself praying to God this week, next week, the week after, and the week after. And I don't want you to see yourself praying perfectly or praying for four hours. I just want you to see yourself praying God with a new revelation that as you pray, it's changing you. You're not just praying to try and see your wish list come true, but you're praying and you're hanging out with God because you know He's doing a work in you. Father, we thank you right now, Lord. We call out to you as we worship you. Lord, you would activate, Lord, this revelation, Lord, that we're shifting gears and we're taking our prayer life to the next level, Lord, in Jesus' name.